Welcome back again. Uh, we're still talking about Sufi Islam and the relationship between Sufi Islam and folk, uh, folk Muslims. And it is very similar, you can, if you've been following what we've been going through in terms of the various stages of Sufi Islam. And then four, recognition of, of the need for hunger after God, Matthew. We talked about Matthew chapter 5 yesterday. Uh, the blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemaker. Blessed are those who have been insulted and persecuted. And God is saying, be blessed. Yeah. Recognition of the need for hunger after God. Thirst after God. I think it's in Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy leaning, and I will give you rest. How do I need our rest right now? <laughs> I just want to maybe drop in a river and just swim down and cool everything and rest. But the burden that we carry, Jesus said, come to me. Let's exchange. Tell the Sufi Muslim that Christ will exchange your burden for, it, for his my yoke is light. That's what Christ said. Go to Christ for rest. And all the prophets, remember uh, Jonah when he preached to the, uh, to the people of Nineveh, he was restless and yet God came and gave him rest. Elijah, after calling, calling down fire from heaven the next day, he ran from Jezebel and he went and said, God, go ahead and kill me. God said, no, this is not time to discuss death. God quenched his spirit by a still voice, by feeding the prophet and quenching his hunger with God's word. Remember Moses, as he led the Israelites from the Exodus, the same problem he had. The people were complaining and Moses said, Lord, go ahead and just kill me. Uh, that's very, he didn't mean it, okay? Moses did not mean it because if Moses really wanted to die, he would kill himself. But once you tell God to kill you, that means you don't need it. But God came and comforted his prophet over and over. And when you talk about hunger for God, Paul, read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, chapter 12, and see what Paul went through to fill his hunger and thirst. All the disciples, what they did. John on the Isle of Patmos penned these words in Revelation uh, like I quoted that before. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you are in there, you hear my voice and open the door. Jesus is saying, I will sit with you and eat with you. And this is what Sufi Muslims are looking for. Christ will sit and eat with them. Walk with them. John, in First John, we quoted before. John said, I, we saw him. We touched him. We walked with him. We were there when they put him on the cross. We were there when he rose from the grave. I ran to the grave with Peter and I saw the tomb empty. What a message we have. That we recognize a recognition of a need for hunger after God. And only God can fill that. I can go on and on with Bible passages just to fill that part of what God have done for us and continue to do. Number five, awareness of working of God's grace 
in people's lives. And this is where I really, I was telling Professor Josh today when people talk about inside of movement, I know my own personal story. Uh, I don't want to talk about my own personal story. I've heard enough of it already. But I used to be hungry and I was searching for God everywhere. I was working for my salvation through making sacrifices, going on mountains and what have you. Some of you can relate to that. Some of you have the same story. From place to place, from which doctors to which doctors, trying to quench the hunger of God's grace, trying to find God's favor. Awareness of, of the working of God's grace in people's lives. Can you go through the Bible and see what God did for the Israelites? A way were people that he took among from all the nations and made them his own. Read Deuteronomy chapter 4 when you go home today. And see how God touched the lives of these people, the Israelites. What he did for them among all the nations. And then you come to Ephesians. If I love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Paul, Ephesians chapter 2, and many times I tell you that I almost memorize Ephesians chapter 2, right? I mean, the book of Ephesians and Joshua, all these books. When I love the book, I just want to make it part of me. But when you read Ephesians chapter 2, the first three verses, Paul said we were in bondage. We were in sin, all of us. Uh, you know, there's always when you read the Bible, like, look for the word B-U-T, but the grace of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4. And then Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7. Paul is almost like that. We are God creation. That through the ages when someone sees you. Like you're sitting in the class. Someone says, say, wow, I can't believe it. This person is following God. Have you ever heard that? That is God making. That is God creation. But then when you come to um, Ephesians 2 11. Paul turned to us. We the Gentiles. As Gentiles, we were excluded. You know, when I came to this country, I was a foreigner. So before coming, I have to go to the U.S. Embassy in my country to get a visa. And when I went there, they asked me all kinds of questions. Why do you want to go to the U.S.? And I told the lady, I said, you don't have time. Because if I want to give you the reasons why I want to go to the U.S., we'll be here the whole day. But they have to give me a visa. And then when I came to the, the, the port of entry, they asked to see whether the visa I had was for real. It was not fake. It was examined. And then I entered this country. And when I entered this country, guess what? Uh, when election was coming, I said, yes, election is coming. I was so excited. They said, no, you can't vote. I said, why? Because you are not a citizen. Oh, man. Can you imagine that? I was excluded from the things that American can enjoy, from the things that Nigerian can enjoy because I am not a Nigerian citizen. I was excluded from the things that I could enjoy when I was in Ethiopia because I, I was not an Ethiopian citizen. But then when Paul said you were excluded from the grace of God, you were foreigner, aliens. You did not know God. But Jesus Christ came, broke down the middle wall. And when he broke that middle wall down, 
I stepped in and became a citizen of God's people. Now, whether you're from Nigeria, you're my brother. Whether you're from Asia, you're my brothers and sisters. And now we can enjoy peace. In fact, Paul said in Ephesians, he said, Christ himself became our peace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved. Not by works that we have done. Grace, and this is a grace we have to bring towards our Sufi Muslims and let them know. I mean, I, I could go through the whole passage of, of, of Ephesians chapter 2, but when you get home tonight, make sure you read it and just see what you were before as a non-citizen of the commonwealth of Israel. And when God, when you walk on the cross to cross over from death to life, and where we are today. The goal of being with God one day. Ah, that's the best part. The goal, the Sufi order is what? To be one with God. And this is where now, again, going back to Philippians, I, I think I love all the Bible passages in Philippians or in all the Bibles. When you read Philippians chapter, chapter 1, uh, I love chapter 1, verse 21. It goes like this. For, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. One, we are not losers. To live is Christ. And by me living, if you kill me, guess what? In gain. Someone has said that if you were born once, you die twice. But if you are born twice, you die once. And there we are as Christians. The goal of being with God one day. I think I gave that one away in uh, um, talking about folk, you know, folk Muslims. The rapture. That would be the first ticket I don't have to purchase. It would be free. I think it was Chuck Swindoll that said that <laughs> I want to go the full order. That is, I want to actually die someday. Anyway, I have no choice in that. Seriously. I want to die someday and I want to die before my wife, actually. Die someday because I want to see her crying for me. Uh, die someday. And then they take me, bury me, seal me up, pretending to seal me up. And then they say when the trumpet sound, that voice, the grave will bust. My body, the new body will come together. And we will go with those who are alive up to heaven. You see, heaven is not like paradise, the Muslim paradise. In heaven, God is there. In heaven, we will worship. In heaven, we will fellowship. That is the goal. And so when we minister to Sufi Muslims, see, and, and this is where, again, uh, this insider movement really get under my skin. Why do I want to go to the mosque and behave like a Muslim? Why do I want to read the Quran like a Muslim like I used to do before? If I read it now, I'm reading it in order to understand it and minister to Muslims. But for me to behave like them, like I used to behave before, deceiving them, an insider, pretending. i give you a story. I, I don't know how many of you here have been in love before. If you have never been in love, 
listen. Um, when I first met the woman I'm married to, I was telling someone, I wrote her eight pages, and I could not hear from her. It was like a pain I could not control. I was anxious to see her. I was hungry to see her. And when she finally said yes, now how many of you been in love and you don't tell anyone else that you are in love? Can you do that? Can any of you do that? Can you hide love? And so the insider movement makes no sense. Remember in Isaiah, oh, I love the passage in Jeremiah. I think it's Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 10 and 11. Jeremiah said, everywhere I pass, people are talking about me. And if I say that, I will not talk about you or preach your word again. Your word become like fire in my belly and I can hold it. I have to let it go. Fire in my bones, love in my heart. That's what Jeremiah is saying. And so how can I go sit in a mosque pretending to be worshiping Christ through Allah? That is impossible. We cannot do that. It is unacceptable. The goal of being with God one day that's what we want to do. One day we'll be with God. Lastly, believe in, in, in intermediaries between God and man. A bridge to presenting Jesus as the only mediator between God and fellow humans. Um, in West Africa, most West African culture, uh, take for example this problem between me and you. Because we live in a shame-based culture, People don't say sorry. It's difficult for people to say sorry because when you say sorry, it's a sign of weakness. So what you do, you look for a scapegoat or you look for a mediator. You look for a friend of your friend. You go to them and explain to them, this is a problem we are faced with between my brother and me. And so that brother will come to me, talk to me. He said, look, Tony, that person said, I should talk to you. And then he will go back and take what I tell him, tell that person. And when I'm okay to meet him, the mediator will bring us together with us ever saying sorry to each other because he becomes the scapegoat. What analogy that is. In America, talking about cultural differences now, Americans are very confrontational. Uh, if you do something to me, I'll go to you. For most African and Asians to go through someone else. And now someone else build a bridge for the two to come together. That's what happened to us. We were separated from God. And God have built a bridge to us on the cross. And Christ is the mediator. The mediator someday that our Sufi Muslims will walk on the cross from life, uh, from death to life. Thank you.